welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, the podcast that features conversations with writers of all types. Today's episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books has been sponsored by The Craft Studio, craftstudionyc.com, let loose and craft. With locations on the Upper East Side in Tribeca, The Craft Studio is the perfect place to bring your kids, paint pottery, and kill a bunch of time. It's amazing. I'm thrilled to be interviewing Liz Stern today. Liz Stern is the author of Motherhood is a Bitch, and If You Give a Mom a Martini. She's the CEO of Divalicious Moms, divamoms.com, a national New York City-based marketing and event company. The former editor-in-chief of the Observer Playground, which was the parenting magazine of the New York Observer, which, by the way, I used to write for, Liz has served as a media correspondent for CNBC, The Today Show, MSNBC, and others, a graduate of Syracuse University with master's degrees from NYU and Hunter in both communications and early childhood education. Liz is now the ultimate NYC parenting connector. So welcome, Liz. Thanks so much for doing the show. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Love the podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you. I love your book. It was like, how did I not read this before? It's like the steps to making my life livable. <laughs> <laughs> I always say, I think every mom needs to read this book, whether you're a first-time mom, second-time mom, third-time mom, whether, you know, you're beginning stages, end stages, or being a, whatever, whatever, you know, stage of parenthood you are in or about to go into, everyone should read this book. Whenever I read a book um, to prepare for an interview, I dog ear a page where there's something that I want to remember, I want to come back to. You should see the book because, like, (laughs) every other page is now turned over. It looks like, you know, some sort of, you know, Asian fan of some kind. So, anyway. (laughs) I love hearing that. Yay. That's my day. Thank you. So let's start with how um, you even decided to do this book and everything. You did such a great job in the book explaining how you kind of hit bottom. You had a mom on the street who thought you were pregnant when you weren't, which I'm sure every mother has had happen to her. I know I have. Um, And then how you decided to live your life differently afterwards and how you basically just decided to be a bitch. So can you tell me more? (laughs) (laughs) Only if we define what the word bitch in the book means, right? But we'll do that after. Okay. So, um, yeah, um, three kids, three different ages, one going into high school, one going into middle school, one going into pre-K. So my mind always like in three different places at all times. And I, after the, after my, after my baby was born, although she's not a baby anymore, she's four, but I, I didn't lose all the baby weight. And exercising and eating properly was not like on the forefront of my list at that time. I just had other things going on. I had two kids. I had my business. And I kind of let myself go a little bit. But with that being said, when, when this woman on the street who was like a size zero, who had a perky breast, she just had a breast job, okay, no, I didn't have a boob job, and she had liposuction and all that, but that's all good, right? I'm not judging, no judging. She said to me, you know, she wanted to know what I would do. And I just, like, I, I don't know, I had, like, that gut wrench feeling in my stomach. I'm like, this is not okay, Liz. Like, you gotta get, you, 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 you can't, you, you know, people think you're pregnant. You gotta get your shit together. So at that point, though, we didn't like that week. I remember also um, having me and my girlfriend in Starbucks, um, who was my co-writer, Cheryl Berkway, who's a dear friend of mine, and she has a teenage girl. And we were just talking about motherhood, just like life these days, and I was talking about how I have to get on track with my weight and my eating and all that stuff. And I just blurted it out. I'm like, motherhood is a bitch. And she like looked at me and she's like, that's it that's your next book. 
And you are going to take a journey and you are going to learn to take care of yourself first. And you are going to learn how to say no to people. And you're going to become a bitch yourself. Be hashtag TCH. Because motherhood, you know, everybody tells you, well, they don't really tell you anything, but, you know, motherhood, as we say in this book, is a beach. And we cross that beach and we can be, T- be hashtag TCH. It's really hard. And every day is hard. But we as mothers need to take a step back and learn that self-care for us is equally as important as taking care of our kids. And sometimes it's really hard to forget when we're working and we're in the mix of everything and you know, people going through divorces and people are, are starting to date again or people are married but unhappily married or people are half married and they're happily married. Whatever it may be, there's always something going on. A family member gets sick. Um, you know, what, what, getting the kids into school, getting the kids tutors, if they need. And it's just always constantly something we're juggling. I, I know it's so cliche, but I would say we're juggling 101 balls at once, trying not to let one drop. So that's where the book came from. I love it. And your you. book, the subtitle is 10 Steps to Regaining Your Sanity, Sexiness, and Inner Diva. Um, and, and then for step one of these 10 steps, you have this really cute acronym for bitch, which I feel bad like saying over and over again, like I'm like going to be in trouble with my kids. I have to like put money in the jar after this interview. Um, okay, so B is be the woman you want to be. I is yeah. initiate. T is time mm-hmm. out. Uh, C, C is care and H is help. So tell me what these basically mean and how they can change my life as a mom. Like, what do I absolutely need to do to reclaim my sanity? Well, I think a lot of those parts in the big ITV that you need to do to reclaim that sanity. But one of the things that I do, I tell women in moms every day, look at yourself in the mirror in the morning, first thing in the morning, and whether you're coming out of the shower, whether you're first working, you know, washing your face, washing your teeth, and look in the mirror and look at yourself and say, be, be, be present, be, who is that person, look in the mirror, who is that mom, who is that person that you want to be today, you know, do you want to be that hairy mom, do you want to be that tired mom, do you want to be that happy mom, do you want to be that sexy mom today, do you want to be that soccer mom today, you know, look in the mirror and say, or, you know, today I'm going to be, I'm going to you know, kill all my meetings, I'm going to write a book today, I'm going to, you know, write an article from that, but look in the mirror straight on and look and say, this is what I'm going to be today. Okay, then for I, which is the initiate, you've got to initiate who you want to be. You can't just say you're going to do it. You actually have to take steps to do it. Now, for me personally, and I don't know about you, but the T, the time out is most important. I think every day, even if it's just for 10 minutes a day, all moms need to take a time out, a mommy time out, an MTO, and do something just for yourself. Whether it is going for a walk down the block, whether it's going to meet a friend in the coffee shop, whether it's going literally into a corner and, st- and standing on your head and doing a handstand, whether it's doing yoga, whether it's meditating, whatever it may be, take 10 to 15 minutes and everybody can do it. And something that my friend June Amber always says, she says, wait before the quake, meaning wake up a few minutes earlier than all the kids are waking up and do something just for yourself. Perhaps it's just having a cup of tea and reading the newspaper. But do do that something for yourself because the rest of the day is going to be taken away from you. And it's really important to have that time out. And then the C, the care. We need to care for ourselves. Like, because we're so busy caring about everybody else. We're caring about our kids. We're caring about our family. We're caring about our mother, our father, our sister, our brother, our cousins, our aunts, our uncles. And we're so, we as mothers are the caretakers and care about everybody else. Sometimes, though, you know, we need to take a step back and say, whoa, 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 but what about me? And I was falling apart, and I wasn't feeling well, and I wasn't taking care of myself. 
So if you can see, it's extremely, extremely important. And again, the H, the help, you have to ask for help. You know, I know when I first started out, again, this is one kid 14 years ago, I thought in my mind I could do it all, right? I could work, I could be a super mom, I you know, had a vision of like what I could be. And reality is I can't do it all, and I can't do it all by myself. And I don't want to be that super woman, super person, super inhuman person. I want to be able to do the best that I can, but I also want to ask for help and not be scared to ask for help because there's no reason that anybody should be ashamed of scared to ask for help. And not even just help as in help with the kids, but it's help with work, if it's help with the dog, whatever it may be with, ask for help. Because the worst that's going to happen is somebody's going to say no. Best case scenario is that somebody's going to say yes. But always ask for the help. I like it. I feel like sometimes when I ask for help, by the time I go through all the things that I need to make that help happen, I could have just done whatever it was myself. Do you ever feel that way? <laughs> yes, I do. I do. Because sometimes people say, like, oh, but I, don't, I can't afford a nanny or I can't afford a babysitter. And, you know, I don't have time. So then I can't go out at night or I can't go to, you know, I'm saying I can't go to a movie or I can't go to a with my husband. And I always say, it's not something about the money part of it. You can ask, call the family member, call, ask your neighbor. Somebody, I'm sure, will give you an hour, half hour, of their, 45 minutes of their time so that you can go out and do something. And especially as a new mom, like when those, those first few weeks when the baby's home, I think it's so important if you're married to go out on a date night and do something just for the two of you because that baby takes over your whole entire life. And I think it's really important. Yeah, good advice. By the way, when you said look in the mirror in the morning and decide which woman you want to be, like there are definitely days where I've woken up and I've realized when I'm at school drop off that I have yet to look in the mirror. (laughs) No, it's true. I mean, not all the time, but it has happened before where I like run to the ladies room at drop off and I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't even brushed my hair. I mean, normally I can get it together and normally I feel like I look pretty put together, but, you know, some mornings just get the better of me. So. Listen, there, listen, there are many mornings that the baseball has on, the hair is in the bun, and, you know, you're in drop off. That's the way that it is. Yeah. It's not necessarily even about how you look in the morning. It's about that person inside that we want to be for that day. No, I like it. I like setting that, yeah. you know... Even just not letting the day happen to you, but, you know, from the outset, trying to have a strategy, like you're, how you're going to approach the day. Yeah, which happens a lot. You know, and I also talk about it in this book, too, really, I mean, I know it's so hard, but keeping a calendar and keeping a family calendar with all these different schedules, and especially if you're a working mom, you know, it's really, you got to keep to it, and you have to just focused and you have to learn learning to say no and we'll talk about that later on it's also really key yeah you're absolutely right um in your time for a new mindset section uh you wrote something i just have to read out loud so people can hear this i spent you said i spent a few years in therapy there i said it although not a lot of women will talk about it so have they how many women do you know who are popping antidepressants and or Ativan like candy? More than you think. Why? Because we're unhappy. We're stressed to the breaking point. We may smile, but it's all bull. I'm grinning from ear to ear right now, and I'm pissed as hell that my kid is interrupting me while I'm trying to write for five freaking minutes. But I'm smiling. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I could like see you sitting there doing that whole thing. <laughs> 
So in your mind, so what do you think? Why do you think moms like us are so stressed these days? Whereas like, I don't feel like my mom and my grandmother were this stressed at all. Like who, who can we blame? Who can we blame for this? Let's point some fingers. Let's blame Kim Kardashian. <laughs> 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 so let's, let's blame, how about this? Let's blame social media, right? I think a lot of pressure comes from social media. Um, you know, I constantly, you know, I'm talking, especially my older kids, the 14-year-olds and the 11-year-olds about social media. And, you know, I'm thinking not say all of it, but a lot of it's smoke and mirrors, right? So, you know, but I think that so many women and moms, just like our teenagers and our kids, go to social media, they go to Instagram, they go to all these different things that they see. These, I'm just saying, these perfect families and these perfect lives, which we all know are not perfect, right? Mm-hmm. And the perfect meals that these mothers are cooking, and yet they work, you know, how many hours? They work long hours, and they have, you know, but yet everything in their home is perfect. And I think there's just a lot of extra pressure um, today that women are putting on themselves where our mothers didn't have that. There was no social media back in the day. So I think that also, you know, I hate the, and I hate the word perfect. I think it's the worst word in the world. I don't know why anybody, like, should be taken out of the dictionary. But I think so many women today, you know, they look at the magazines, right? You look at the cover of the magazines. Beyonce just had a baby. And three weeks later, I'm just saying she's back on the cover of a magazine. Or this reality story, you know, had a baby two weeks ago. Yet she's in a, you know, found bikini again. The perfect, 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 perfect boots on the cover of a magazine. This isn't real, you know? So I think that a lot of, there's not, uh, the word that I'm looking for is I think there's a lot of social pressures for moms that don't feel like they're living up to what they're seeing, whether it's on TV or on social media. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. I think you're right. I think also, I'm just going to throw my two cents in here. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> I was trying to evaluate this myself. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I think just all the electronics, not just the social media, but the fact that so much can be done so quickly means that we have to do it that way. Like, my mom had a date book, right? I just wrote an article about this. Like, my mom had a red leather date book, and she kept it, like, on the kitchen counter and scribbled in it when we had a play date. Like, she didn't yeah. have the ability to bring her phone places and, you know, sync it 15 times and make play dates and send play date requests. And I don't know, it was all just, like, slower and easier. And now we can email, like, I don't know. It's just too much. Like, if she missed the no, phone I, call... I, I, no, she, I, I think it's too much. You know, like, you're on, you're on different group texts with different, you know, parents, and everybody has an opinion about something. And, one, you know, one group text, I'm just saying, from camp even, can go on for, like, hours and days about, about, you know, like, I don't know, something that they didn't like in a picture that they saw the kid in camp. I mean, I don't want, I mean, it's just, there's just too much information, I think, being thrown at us at all times. And I think technology, yes, I agree with you, I think technology has a lot to do with it. And I think, you know, I don't know about you, but at night, I put my, try and put my phone in either a different room, like in the kitchen, or I try and put it, like, on the other side of my bedroom. So that, because I know for a fact, when I first started out with my iPhone, with work and with the kids, I would sleep with it next to my bed. That's not normal. Like, and I would get up like at two, three in the morning and check, you know, my emails and check. Well, that's not it wasn't healthy. Right. And I think that we need to, you know, I also say like the brain needs to have a digital detox. And I think it's really important for us moms to sometimes just put that phone down. Totally. I know it's hard, but I think sometimes we have to do it. No, you're absolutely right. And I think, I think, too, you know, we have to be present. I know it's so much easier, so much, you know, for me to sit here and say, okay, well, everybody, I'm not saying everybody put your phone down, but 
there are times, though, and I know, you know a lot of articles being written about it, that kids need to see that their parents are present, not just sitting there, you know, on a beach on their phone the whole time, you know, talking to their friends or looking at Instagram or whatever they're doing, or same thing with going to the park with their kids. The phone, you can bring the phone, but you, you, got, you have to be present there for our kids. Totally. But don't put the phone down now, listeners, or you won't be able to hear this podcast. <laughs> Do it later. You can toss it out the window, but not yet. <laughs> not yet. Um, so just to switch gears a little, um, I found the part that you wrote about your dad and your relationship with him and how he was go- undergoing chemotherapy when you were growing up to be just so moving and so open. And I really, really appreciate that you shared that in the in the story. I feel like it opened up a whole new side of you. And I'm happy, you know, I've known you for such a long time. I didn't even know that. I feel like it, I don't know. I'm really glad you shared it. So thank you. Um you um and you say in your book that you so you you learned basically that life wasn't fair from an early age that was your takeaway because you know all your friends dads were there and you know why was your dad the one coming home throwing up which is just heartbreaking um and eventually although he overcame that part of the disease he eventually succumbed to esophageal cancer years later when he was 66 and you ended up going away on a retreat after he passed away um because you say in the book that you hadn't mourned properly, which I feel like, by the way, is putting so much pressure on yourself. Like, I'm thinking, God, is there a right way to mourn? But anyway, you started having, like, all these physical, medical-type issues as a result because our bodies, you know, we can't fool them for that long. So I just wondered, and that was, sorry, that was a really long introduction to this question, but, um, you know, how do you think that your dad's sickness has shaped you into, you know, who you've become, basically? So, okay, so let me back up. So when he was sick and I was younger, I, you know, it was, it was, very, it was hard for me. You know, again, like my friends and fathers were healthy, everyone's dads were around. They were high. My dad was, I mean, I was spending a lot of time as a teenager. He was sick when I was younger, when he was three. He had Hashimoto's disease. I have very few memories of that in his kettering. But when I was 16, he was not sick. I remember vividly. Um, you know, spending a lot of time in Kettering. I remember you know, him coming home very sick, and it, had, and it affected me. And I remember, you know, thinking that, you know, life sucks. I remember saying to my mom, like, one of my, I called one of my girlfriends um, after a hospital visit with him, and I was terrible crying, and she was like, yeah, she said, I know. She said, I had a really bad day, too. And she's like, my nail polish tips and blah, blah, blah. And again, it wasn't her, like, you know, that in her mind that she had a bad day, right? Because her, you know, at the time, the worst thing that can happen when you're 16 is you're going to go out on a date and your nail polish tips, right? right? And I remember going into my mom and I started crying. And my mom's like, you know what, Liz? Like, life isn't fair. And, but you're going to get through this and it's going to make you stronger. And I think that, you know, that time, obviously, I didn't understand it. But I think that when you have a sick parent, I think that it makes it, you just, you have to have a younger sister who I needed to be there for, and I needed to be strong, and I think that it made me a lot stronger. But going back to the mourning part, I think that, so there obviously is no right or wrong way to mourn, but I think what happened to me was, as a parent, I think my thought, you know, he always knew he was going to pass away, the question was always when. Um, and he got, he got much sicker as he got older, and then in 66, when he passed away, we had the funeral, we sat shiver, and the Jewish religion, um, that's what you do, and then it was like, boom, back to, like, just back to the kids, back to work, back to, like, it was, I didn't really 
I, I personally, I don't think I took enough time to really mourn, if that makes any sense. Totally. I mean, I know there, again, there's no rhyme or reason or everybody has their different ways of doing it, but for me personally, I think I needed just a little bit more time because I just went back and boom, everything just the way that it was, like the day that we were done sitting sugar. And to make a long story short, um, I also, what happened to me was I started, again, I wasn't properly eating, I wasn't exercising, I wasn't taking care of myself, and I wasn't feeling well. I was getting very, very, very bad urinary tract infections. And no, it wasn't from, you know, sex, which everybody thinks it was. You know, it's, oh, you're having so much, no, it's not from a lot of sex. <laughs> it was because it was from, I, was, I believe it was from the stress that was eating up inside. I just internally, I was keeping it inside of me. And they say that urinary tract infections can be caused by a lot of stress. <laughs> and meaning that, so what, what happened was so I started going to all these different doctors. I went, and they sent me a specialist, and they were sending me, because I would, I'd get one, and then I'd go away, and then I'd have another one the next day. And again, I know about your UTIs, but they, they supposedly do come back once you get them. But this was not normal, the way that they kept coming back. Right. And so I went to another specialist, and they said, let me send you for a CAT scan, and you need an MRI, and you need this, and you need that. And then you're going to need to do come in, and I'm going to need to put you under, and I'm going to need to do some like more tests on you. And I'm saying to myself, Okay, I'm like, let's take a deep breath. I'm like, why don't you go on a retreat for views by yourself? And just, like, before you do any of this, which you're probably going to have to do, like, just go, like, on a yoga retreat. And to make a long story short, my girlfriend from college actually was starting a new business. It was called, it's called Ground City. And it's up in the Berkshire. And it's like, who needs it? Like, yoga, wellness. And I'm like, you know what, sign me up. I'm going, I have to do this for myself. And I went, and I sat down with somebody, and I told them how I was feeling. I was sluggish. You know, we went over my my foods that I were eat, my foods that I were eating that were terrible, that weren't healthy, too many sugary foods. Um, I wasn't exercising. Blah 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 blah. After a few days there, I felt so much better with the, with the healthy eating, with the walking, with the exercising. And I remember going on a hike up to the mountain, and we got to the top of the mountain, and I was with someone who was following me, trailing me, and I remember saying, I need a moment here. And it's it, it so cliche, but, like, there was a big rock up there, and I sat down on the rock and just started crying. Like, I was just, like, it was like my breaking point. I hit rock bottom at that moment. You know, and he was like, don't worry, but I just had all these emotions and feelings coming out of me. And at that point, it was like, I need to start taking better care of myself. But I really, I can't do this. And I need to, I need to become that bitch. And I need to learn to say no. And I need to delegate. And I can't be everything to everyone at once all the time anymore. And this needs to, you know, go for long walks. She needs to go take an exercise class. And I need to start eating healthier. And I remember walking into my apartment like that a few days later and turning to my husband and he's like, how was it? I said, it was amazing. I said, but I have to make changes here in the house because if I'm not, I can't, if I'm not happy inside, if I'm not happy, then the kids, the kids aren't going to be happy. And I would just happy wife, happy wife, happy mom, happy kids. And I need to make, I need to be better for myself and for the kids. And he's completely supportive of it. And I just started just eating better, going to sleep earlier, saying no, not being there to yes, saying yes, 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 no. I want to say yes to everybody. I can't say yes now to everybody. And really just making some concrete changes. And it really helped. 
That's so inspiring. Thank you for that. I needed that. <laughs> you know, we just get so consumed with everything and everything. And sometimes, you know, we as the mothers need to take care of ourselves as well. And it's really important. And I hear this so many times from moms, like, but I don't have time or, you know, I, 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 I wind up eating all the kids' food and, you know, I, I don't keep a healthy refrigerator. And it's, you know what? It, it's, it's just as easy when you go to the food store to buy healthy food as it is to buy the junk food. Um, and I'm not saying to cut out all junk food and not to eat their grilled cheese crust or their half a pizza, you know, whatever's left of the pizza. Of course, I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying it. Make, start making little changes, and you'll see big changes eventually. I just, and I started, feeling, I started feeling so much better. I started having energy again. I wasn't always white and tired and exhausted. I, once I started eating a little bit better, I really started to see changes. That's great. My, my recent nod to trying to get everybody to eat healthier is instead of having snacks from the grocery, I'm only going to buy snacks from the health food store. If they come from the health food store, they can't be that bad, right? <laughs> I think it's a great idea. I think we should, as much, you know, I think our children learn from us, right? We're the role models. Yeah. So I think that if we're eating healthier, they're going to eat healthier. If we, you know, people are saying to me, well, how can we get my kids love fruits and vegetables? How do you Because that's what we always kept in the house. That's what, my, that's what we keep in the house. Yes, we also keep junk food, but my kids have always learned to eat fruits and vegetables because we were always eating them. Hmm. Well, I'll try. I'll try to do that, too. I'm not saying get rid of everything else. Keep everything as well. But, you know, I'm just saying it. I get it. You you, 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 eat fruit. They'll eat fruit. Or maybe we'll try the fruit. Yes, I I agree. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So let's switch gears um, before you dig too deep into my terrible diet these days. Um, in your, uh, in your next, oh, your other, um, so you have another chapter called get your shit together. So I now owe another, you know, dollar in the, in the cursing drawer, but, um, you talk, <laughs> you talk a lot about men and their limitations and you say in particular, and I'm going to quote here, men are not meant to be multitasking. Their minds just don't work that way. So that leaves me and no one I'm sorry, that leaves me and only me to cope with a mountain of to-dos that must get done. Is it fair? Of course not. No one said motherhood was fair. So that was your quote. And I have to say, yeah. when I read that um, two nights ago, I was sitting on the couch with my with my son, who's 11, and I had read him a couple of my recent articles, which he was enjoying listening to, which was shocking to me. And at the same time, he was watching Monday Night Football on TV. And I said at the end, I was like, you know, that was so sweet of you for listening to my articles uh, tonight. And he's like, ah, you know what? I call it multitasking. <laughs> and I was like, I love it. are you kidding? You're, wa- it. you're sitting on the couch watching football and I'm literally reading you something like you're doing nothing. You're anyway. So, um, no, but in his mind, in his mind, he was, he was, and yeah. that was, I could see that was a challenge. Um, <laughs> so, and I do believe, I really do think that it is harder, not for all men, but for some men to really, uh, master that ability that as women, a lot of us sort of have to do, like, there's just no choice. We, there's like eight right. million things going on all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also go on to say how, um, you know, ironically, the more you depend on the men to do some of the stuff around the house or that you need to get done, one of the things on the task list, uh, the more they actually feel valued. And then you call it chore play, which is adorable and so funny and how it can actually help your sex life too. So, um, so tell, tell me, tell me more about this whole, whole thing. 
talk to you all day long but we're coming to the end so I have to ask just like another question or two before sure, I, sure. I pass sure. my um uh so tell me what's going on with diva moms these days so you started divalicious moms I can't remember in what year I should have written it down and yeah, no, it's okay. 2003 2003 that I should yeah. have known because your son is your is 14 anyway um so what is it now how what where do you see it going you have like bazillion members following you you do events you do everything tell me tell listeners a little more about it Dramatic comedy 
about my mother, who's a complete character. Her name is Manabelle. So the show is called Hashtag Manabelle, about, uh, <laughs> about a widow in, um, you know, this day and age with marriage for 45 years and, and her, like, becoming of, you know, who she is today in this world of technology and social media and her relationship with her two daughters and her grandchildren, and it's quite something, uh, to say the very least. So we're, you know, working on that, and then we're also working on a uh, docu-style TV show about one of my friend's daughters, which is really exciting, and I'm not going to give it away yet, but um, we're just, we're starting to take meetings with that, so we shall see, but working more also getting into the production side of things, um, and we'll see what happens. Wow, that all sounds awesome. I'm totally watching that show. I have some pretty funny characters in my life as well, so that sounds amazing. I won't even ask how you have time to do anything, but um, uh, clearly you have time to do this podcast, so thank you so much for doing it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm so glad you love the book. And for all the moms listening, motherhood is a B hashtag TCH. Um, don't let anybody tell you differently. Become that woman that you want to be and say no and take care of yourself and everything else is going to fall into place, hopefully. Aw, thanks, Liz. Yeah, okay, thank you so much, Libby. Have a great day. Okay, thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books has been brought to you by The Craft Studio, craftstudionyc.org. Check it out online or go visit their Upper East Side or Tribeca locations. Thanks. Thank you.